Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Richard Gosselin, editor of the Society's members magazine, Unfiltered. The Society recently sponsored a book event at the Edinburgh International Book Festival with crime writer and whiskey enthusiast Val McDermott. Val has been a fan of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society since its early days after receiving an educational journey across the whiskey regions from a friend's father who was something of an aficionado. I caught up with Val in a fairly noisy Edinburgh coffee shop to find out more about her whiskey passion, her writing career and who would be her fantasy whiskey drinking companion. I began by asking her how her whiskey journey started out. I was I had a very strange and unfortunate introduction to good whiskey. Um, my, my best friend at school, um, her dad, was the, the deputy rector at Kirkcaldy High School, but he was also an aficionado of whiskey, and he believed that we should uh, we should learn to drink whiskey properly. So from the age of about I don't know, 15 or 16, uh, he I'd go I'd go up to there. So I used to play board games with with his children and he'd, he'd give me a whiskey. So he started gently, we gently eased in through Speyside and into Highland and by the time I went to university I was in, familiar with Isla whiskies, which really was what, what hooked me in. Not the really peaty ones, I can't, I can't be doing with too phenolic, but ones like Beaumore and, and, and Bunahaven were just my absolute favourites by that stage. So as I say, I was, I was groomed into whiskey. It sounds like an essential part of any young person's education to, to learn to drink responsibly, I suppose. Yeah. You're not down the, the bus shelter with a half bottle of uh, you know, gut rot. No, I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful to Sandy for that, uh, for that journey because, but as I say, uh, the only thing it has prevented me doing is enjoying cheap whisky. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember one time I was on a, a sailing holiday and we were on the way up the west coast and we were in, I think, Fort William and we'd run out of whiskey. And the only thing they had was, I'm not even going to mention the name, but it was a, a rock gut, cheap, own brand. Yeah. And I, honest to God, we all drank it and we're all sick as dogs. So there is truth in this, in the, in the in, well, it's our founder, Pip Pills, he, you know, talks about when he discovered single cask, cast drink whiskey. Yeah. The miracle of it was he didn't wake up with a hangover. Yeah. Well, of course, I know Pip very well. All right. Because um, I've known Pip since the 1990s, because... His wife, Leslie, is a producer, yeah. and uh, her production company uh, optioned my early books, my Kate Brannigan novels. Ah, okay. So I spent a lot of time with Leslie, uh, both in my house and up here in Edinburgh. And through Leslie, of course, I met Pip. And from them, I heard the story of the, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, ah, okay. uh, which I'd already heard about because Sandy was a proud member. So I was, a, I was aware of the society, but I mean, as a, as a young student and as a, as a, and a, as a beginning writer, skint, uh, it, was, it wasn't something I could contemplate working my way through. Yeah, so d- did you visit the society members' rooms at all yes. back, back in the 90s? In fact, um, when we launched the paperback of um, my novel The Mermaid Singing, which had won the Gold Dagger for Best Crime Novel of the Year, we actually had the launch party for the paperback in the vaults at Leith. Okay. So my, 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 I have a thread of connectivity running through my drinking history yeah. and my writing history. Yeah, okay. Uh, you, you'd said something to the society before about having family roots on Isla as well. Yeah, my, my great-grandfather came from Isla. Um, his, 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 his father made the great mistake of having more children than the Croft could sustain. So my great-grandfather, Donald, had to leave and he came to Fife. 
and he, he worked on the, the Fourth Road Rail Bridge. He was a, he was a riveter on the bridge. Okay. So I, I, every time I cross the bridge, I think part of this belongs to me. <laughs> so I think it must be in the blood, you know, the sort of affinity for Isla Malts. Yeah, yeah. Something genetic. Yeah, it must be there somewhere. And do, do you travel to Isla occasionally? I've been a few times. Um, they had a book festival. Bizarrely, they had a book festival a few years ago. I think it was the very first one they had. And they put us up in a bed and breakfast. It didn't have a bar. Oh. And the event itself took place in the primary school, which didn't have a bar. No whiskey to be seen. I felt like this was like, you know, this was some kind of torture and punishment. <laughs> Bring me to Ireland, don't give me a dram. Is, is whiskey tourism a thing for you? Have you been around? I've been around a few in, 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 in my time. The year I, I um, won the Golden Dagger, it was sponsored by McCallum. And I think they didn't really know what being sponsors meant. And uh, they, they invited me to the distillery. I had a lovely day at the distillery, a beautiful lunch. Went away with you know, a bag full of souvenirs and whiskey. But every time I did an event, they would send four bottles of McCallum to the bookshop. Which bookshops were like, we're supposed to do all this whiskey, we'll drink it, obviously. Yeah. So I used to do a deal with the bookshop a bottle for me, a bottle for them, and two bottles for the customers. Right, that sounds pretty good. Mm. <laughs> Hard to turn down four yeah. bottles in the Callan. So, my idea of whiskey tourism is to um, work my way through different iterations these days. You know, I mean, I kind of know what I like, and that sounds like a terrible thing. What people say about art, I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. Yeah. Well, I think I've, I've had enough whiskey now over the years to know what I like. And so I tend to look out for different, as I say, different iterations. And I have to say, we had um, one more darkest uh, of civil partnership. Uh, and towards the, uh, it was very, we had it in what was Mark Greenaway's restaurant at the time on the bottom of Queen St- yeah. uh, Castle Street. Yeah. And we just took over the restaurant for the day and they were marvellous with us. We did the tasting menu for, you know, for sort of 45 of us. And they just took the time and just said, as long, take your time, stay as long as you want. So we started at, at noon and we closed the place at midnight. And about halfway through the afternoon, the maitre de' came over and she said, we're not charging the whiskey by the, the, the dram anymore, we're just charging you by the bottle. <laughs> All the Bowmore Darkest. The Bowmore Darkest. I think it's now the equivalent of it now is the 15-year-old, Yeah. which is still a lovely dram. And we've got a couple of bottles of that kicking about the house. So would you say you... You, you go for different kind of characters of whiskey depending on the occasion or, or are you drawn more towards that kind of uh, lighter Isla PT character? Yeah, I think, I think that's what, uh, you know, if I'm sitting down at the end of the day and I want a wee dram, that's what I'll go for. But I'm quite willing to drink other things, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are different things at different times of day. I mean, we always tease but my friend Abir Mukherjee, the crime writer, um, he's a, a Bengali extraction. And he says, you know, we, we like the, the sort of lighter Speyside, lighter Highland whiskeys. So we tease him and say, oh, that's the morning whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, some writers have thrived on the combination of alcohol and the, the, the creative process. I guess Hemingway is the one that, that springs to mind. Well, I don't know if he thrived, but it was part of his routine. Uh, is it something you think can mix or is it more whiskey's a reward for when the work is done? Yeah, for me it's whiskey's a reward when the work is done because I find if I have a drink while I'm writing, I think I'm writing magnificent prose and I look at it the next day and think that's a bit shit. 
so for me, really, um, it's a distraction rather than an inspiration. But it's a very good carrot to dangle at the end of the stick of getting the words down. And of course, one of the other things that's, that's uh, very in vogue just now is cocktails. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, whiskey's become an integral part of, of, of some of the cocktail making around our house on occasion. Yeah, any... The any old-fashioned. Any favourites, yeah. The old-fashioned's always good. And um, if, you, if there's not enough smoke in your whiskey, um, my partner has a, 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 a wee gadget. You sit on top of your glass, you put the wood chips in the middle, you set a fire to them, and you put a lid on it, and it draws the smoke into okay. the glass. Okay. So you get a really smoky drink right. out of okay. that. So we do that on occasion. Yeah, yeah. If, if something's a wee bit lacking in dimension. Yeah, yeah. And do you, so you mix, mix, mix up a cocktail as well yourself? I sometimes do, yeah. Um, I have to say, the one I tend to go for, and this is a kind of heresy, I tend to go for um, uh, a, a, a mezcal cocktail okay. called a Paloma, which is a, a mezcal and a grapefruit liqueur and grapefruit soda. But that's a summer evening drink. Yeah, yeah. You know, when the sun is, sun is low in the sky. Absolutely. I mean, people think see whiskey often as a, a winter drink for the darker months, but there are definitely ways to appreciate it in the summer. Oh, aye. Co- cocktail's a good way to go about it, I think. It is, yeah. Well, we like, we, we, you know, it's, it's, we're not confined to drinking whiskey in the winter, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> in Edinburgh, this yeah. in the summer, it's kind of like the winter sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you, so you've been a, a regular visit to the, to the members' rooms in Edinburgh, or is it more an occasional thing? An occasional thing. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, I have a very busy life, mm. that's all I can say. And to be honest, when, we're not, when I'm not out working, I like to be at my home, I like to be at home. Uh, I'm not a great one for going out to the pub with that anymore. That yes. was much a thing of my youth. Now I like to sit at home, uh, read a book, have a dram, enjoy my evening. Can't beat it. Yeah, I, I think not. I mean, you know, in my younger years, uh, my life was quite a lot wilder. Yeah. Like all of us. <laughs> like all of us, I hope. <laughs> I mean, if you can't be wild in your youth, when can you? Well, you worked as a journalist in Glasgow back oh, in God, the day, yes, so yes. there must have been some. Uh, some whiskey tales from back, oh, yes. back in those days. Well, I mean, the quantities we drank were, were, were you know, ridiculous. I mean, we'd, if, if you were on a night shift, for example, my day would get, I'd get up at lunchtime, go and meet friends for lunch, and we'd have a carafe of wine with our lunch, you know, which is really my breakfast. And then we'd go to the pub before we went into work because we had to speak to the day shift guys to find out what was going on. Yeah. So you'd have maybe three or four whiskies before you went in. Yeah. And then you'd have your break about nine o'clock and you'd have maybe four or five whiskies in that hour. And then you get a quarter bottle to take you out to see you through the night. Yeah. I mean, if I'd stayed in Glasgow newspapers, I'd probably be dead by now. Yeah, well, I mean, a, a lot of them are, I phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of them are indeed. Um, but those were the days of, of, you know, sort of drinking grouse and thinking that was, you know, you're doing all right with that. Yeah. Because most pubs didn't really carry malts in those days at all. Yeah. If they did, it was just one or two standard uh, malts, but nothing very interesting. Yeah. When are we talking about, Paul? Like, 1980s? Late, late, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. yeah. So it's just actually when the society was formed 40 yeah. years ago. Yeah. 1983, the society formed, and I think the whiskey scene back then, you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to imagine how different it was, or, yeah. or how little that was available in terms of the, the yeah. higher end of, of the, the whiskey. Yeah, market. and certainly I think that the, the society has done a lot about bringing the, the notion of, of uh, finding different malts and different tastes and different types of whiskey uh, into, into the mainstream. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we classify our whiskies according... We, we, we don't talk, really talk about distilleries, but we talk about the flavour profiles. Yeah. 
and hopefully find something that uh, even if you don't think of yourself as a, as a real whiskey drinker there's something that kind of gives you an entry point yeah. into this vast world of, of choice and, yeah. and variety it's terrifying I mean but and now of course they're making whiskies all over the place and we were in New Zealand last year yeah. um, I've got an ongoing relationship with University of Otago in Dunedin we were there for for four months last year and we went went up to uh, Omaru which is on the, the east coast of the South Island, and they, they make, they're making whiskey there. Yeah. And it's actually really palatable. Yeah. A really nice drink. Yeah. Well, so we just we just signed a contract with a New Zealand distillery called Reefton, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty young, so we won't be putting it out to members anytime soon. But it's on its way, yeah. and you know, it's, it's as you say, really good stuff. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's like, like you have to look over your shoulder. This, this is ours. <laughs> we do it best. It's the, it's the water. Yeah. It's the air. It's the barley. Um, but you know, clearly, it's possible to to make more than passable whiskey elsewhere. Yeah. Well, yes, it is possible. But we keep an eye on things, I suppose. Yeah. This, this, this is Scotch. Only one place can make Scotch. Yeah. Other places can make whiskey. Yeah. And it's a huge, a huge uh, element of, of the, the, the economy now. I mean, yeah. The, the exporting of, of whiskey and, and people coming here to do the distillery tours absolutely. and actually get it on on its native soil. Yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, have you have you ever used whiskey in your fiction? It does pop up occasionally. So it does from time to time. Characters have a wee dram. Uh-huh. But I made I made I made, I made, a, I made a terrible mistake with Karen Piri. Um, I, I made her a gin drinker because you know gin is starting to emerge as a really popular thing, and in Scotland we were getting lots of really interesting gins like you know Edinburgh gin, Ar- Arbique yeah. up in, in, in Angus, yeah. um, and I thought that was a, a sort of you know like made it a bit different. Yeah. But the, the things people keep giving me bottles of gin, <laughs> and I don't like gin. Oh, you don't? I can't drink gin. I did. I, I, I was. I made that mistake when I was young of getting horribly, horribly okay. drunk on gin, and even now the smell of it makes me faintly queasy. <laughs> you know. Um, so you think about a character that's a proper whiskey drinker. Jeez, you know, <laughs> missed, missed a trick there. You ever, you ever thought about uh, dist- a distillery as a good setting for a crime, a murder, I think a disposal lots, of a body? Something lots like that? of potential ways to make a distillery a, a, a scene of murder. Uh, but the trouble is, you don't want to upset your pals, you know. <laughs> I mean, the people I've, I've met in, in, in the industry are just really good guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's it's, 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 it's maybe you know like you know you don't want to, you don't want to block their copybook as it were. Yeah. But I have got a short story that I, I wrote, uh, and I spent some time on Jura, uh-huh. the distillery in Jura uh, that used to do this thing of having sort of writers in residence. Yeah. Uh, and you'd go to Jura uh, and stay in the, the Harbourmaster's house. Yeah. And it's lovely. Uh, and we stay about there for family holiday. And the deal was that I would write a short story in exchange for my stay there. And then they changed their PR company. Uh, and the PR company said, oh, we're not doing the short story thing anymore. But I've written the story, so yeah. I've, I've you know, subsequently published it. Okay. Uh, it's called The Devil's Share. Okay. And it's about, um, it's, it's set in, it's set in, it's about discovery of a, of a barrel of whiskey uh, from back in the original days of the distillery at the turn of the 20th century. Okay. Uh, but the barrel contains more than people expected. Okay. <laughs> we can uh, to check that one out yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and what would you say in terms of like an ideal scenario to enjoy a dram, the perfect setting, the perfect situation? Well, that's a difficult one. I mean, it's hard to think of a setting where you could enjoy a dram, to yeah. be frank, but yeah. 
we like to go up to the, the Western Highlands, west of Ross, Sutherland, and you know, t- take a cottage, have a week of walking about the place and yeah. just having a nice time. And so sitting in the window, watching the sunset over the Minch, uh, with just a faint shadow of Lewis in the background, yeah. can you beat it? That sounds pretty special. Yeah. yeah. All right, I've got a wee quick fire round for you. Oh, no. Well, if you don't mind. Uh, Favourite whiskey drinking music? I know we also did the Malts and Music podcast, uh, podcast but is there some, some kind of type of music that you like to settle down with a dram with? It would probably be something instrumental because I don't want words to interfere with my enjoyment of the whiskey. Yeah. Something like that's I quite like the uh, some of the Nordic composers like Johan Johansson okay. and Olafur Arnolds. Okay. So I'd probably have that on yeah, okay. in the background just Yeah, nothing to, to distract you too much. Something to enjoy but that's not gonna send my mind off down a rabbit hole of yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I've got enough of that problems in my own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, best box set, anything that you're into or, or have, have enjoyed in the past? So many, so many. We're currently, I'm ashamed to say, sort of last on the block with this one. Currently working our way through Better Call Saul. Oh, tremendous. We started watching it when it first was, was up and for some reason we didn't take to it. Uh-huh. But everybody kept telling us, it's so good, it's so good. And we went back and we sort of two episodes in and we were like, what did we not like about this? Yeah, well, it's so, a slow burner, I think. Yeah, but it's, it's, I think it's terrific. We're, yeah. we're coming towards the end of the, the final series yeah. now and we're almost mourning it. Yes, uh, well, I'm, I'm still missing it. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, fantasy whiskey t- tasting companion, someone that you could share a dram with from any period, alive or dead. Well, I've got a, a strange fascination with the Elizabethan playwright Christopher Marlowe. Mm-hmm. I've written a play uh, about about the last day of his life, which was commissioned by the Lyceum, but for various reasons couldn't be put into production. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll be picked up somewhere else. But I'd love to sit down and, and share a drama with, with someone who died far too young. You know, my, my friend Emma Smith, who's the professor of Shakespeare at Oxford, she says at the, at the point where Marlowe died, he was a better dramatist than Shakespeare at that point in time. He died so, in a sword fight, a duel no, or something? Was, was that, uh, that, no, he died, he was, he was stabbed in the eye uh, in the course of a day's drinking, basically. Right. But uh, okay. it was not the way it has been, the way it has been portrayed in sort of popular legend that this was some fight over the bill. Right. It's not, it's not like that at okay. all, um, I think. That's my theory. It's still a pretty gory but, but he was a wild boy, but there's no doubt about that, but he was an extraordinary writer. Uh, and I'd love to have a dram with him and talk about the, the projects he never got to do. Yes. Excellent. Uh, most mem- memorable dram, anything that particularly sticks in the mind? I think probably the first time I had uh, a Beaumore on Isla. Um, it was probably back in the early 1980s. I'd gone to Isla for a wee holiday. I wanted to see if I could track down sort of family graves and things like that because my, my great-grandfather came from, from Isla. Um, and uh, I can remember sitting, uh, watching, well, again, watching the sunset um, with my first dram of Beaumore on Isla. Yeah. And that was, that was memorable. Yeah, that'll live long in the memory. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, guilty pleasure? <laughs> I'm not telling you about that. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, we're just not long back from a, a holiday in, in Belgium. We see we're on holiday in Belgium, people go to Belgium. <laughs> but we had a few days in Bruges and then we went to the coast. There's all these lovely little seaside towns with fabulous beaches and great places to, to walk along the, the dunes and things. Yeah. And uh, we discovered a beer, so many beers, but we discovered a beer called Martha's Guilty Pleasure, okay. which is a cherry beer, absolutely gorgeous. Right, so you. I have a real guilty pleasure yeah, now yeah. that I can turn Martha's to. Martha's Guilty Pleasure. Martha's Guilty Pleasure. <laughs> uh, dream Destination. Anywhere you still want to tick off the list? 
I would like to go to Samoa. That'd I'd be. like to go and see Robert Louis Stevenson's house. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, where he ended up. Yeah. What, what was his backdrop to some of his finest work? Yes, indeed. Okay. Strangest food? Well, when I was in Australia, uh, we had a night of bush tucker one okay. time, uh, and so I cannot say I have eaten witchetty grubs. Okay. And it's not something I'd want to repeat particularly. No, I've not. eaten various odd things like, like insects and things, but, but the witchetty grubs definitely stick in my memory for all the wrong reasons. Not ready to go and have a celebrity just yet. Oh, God, no. Never. <laughs> it's uh, my idea of hell. Yeah. Favourite bar? Oh, that's a difficult one. Here in Edinburgh, there's so many to choose from, but up the road from here is a place I'll drop into from time to time, is the Bailey which is a very traditional pub yeah. um, and very warm and welcoming. Decent whisky selection. Decent whisky selection. Not, not as good as the Scotch malt whisky. No, itself. absolutely not, no. <laughs> uh, and I was, I, was, I was actually with my friend Simon Theakston at the weekend, who runs Theakston's Brewery, and he lived in Edinburgh for a while because he, he worked for Scottish in Newcastle in his early days. And he always swears by K's. He says it's the best bar in the world. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I have to defer to him a wee bit on that as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, and you know the society does 12 flavour profiles of whisky don't know how familiar you are with them but uh, I've got them here so if, if you were to choose y- your character out of the 12 flavour profiles that the society bottles uh, what, what, what would it be? I'd go for something between the lightly peated and the peated I think Yeah. I'm not sure if old and dignified I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet <laughs> very good right, brilliant Bob. well nice to hear about your whisky story it's been a pleasure, it's been a great journey, yeah. which I hope will continue for many years to come. Val's new book, featuring her detective Karen Perry, Past Lying, is published on the 12th of October 2023 by Little Brown. You can read about that and much more in the September issue of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society's members' magazine, Unfiltered. If you're not a member already, head to smws.com or your local branch's website to find out much more. That's it for this episode of Whiskey Talk. Until the next time, cheers. Cheers.